You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. This morning's reading is called Love After Love by Derek Walcott, which happens to be my new favorite poem. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit, feast on your life. That was Love After Love by Derek Walcott. One thing about growing old is your vision changes, and I'm delighted to have cataract surgery so I can see better, Um, but I still have to change the font (laughs) and the position of what it is I read, so bear with me. It's really good to stand up here and look out and see your faces, unmasked faces now that we can feel safe being together. It's my privilege to stand here, actually, Um, I see familiar faces, and I see unfamiliar faces. I'm tickled to see the faces of new people who are going to bring new energy and joy to this place. And I'm also tickled to see faces of old people who have been here for many years, those people with an institutional memory and wisdom to guide us. For certain, it's good to be here together, and may we remember that we are better together. April's theme for discussion is resistance. Resistance is very apropos to the theme for Unitarian Universalists. It's in our DNA. We are who we are because we have engaged in collective resistance against religious orthodoxy since before the Protestant Reformation. And I suppose you could say that our ability to engage in resistance is a virtue. That is, we are willing to put up the fight for justice. Yet, yet, I do wonder if resistance always serves us well. There is a post-it note on my desk, and I put post-it notes there to inspire me and to make me remember things that I need to remember. There's a post-it note on my desk that says, easing resistance might be how inspiration finds its way in. Easing resistance may be how inspiration finds its way in. Hmm, easing resistance. Today I invite you to consider how some forms of resistance may not serve us well. That is, for today, 
I invite you to ponder with me how resistance to changes which happen when growing older may not serve us well. I invite you to wonder with me about growing old because growing old is something near and dear to me. It's something that I've built my career in nursing and in ministry on and because I think it's important. I think it's important to talk about being and growing old. So today's sermons is some of my musings. So let's be curious for a while about growing old and why it's common tendency to resist it. And I use the word old because I want to bring back the worth and dignity to the word old and to old people. So let's get started. Let's be curious and ask whether it might be healthier to surrender our resistance to growing old. And I'm not talking about surrender as a means of giving up. Rather, I want to explore how surrender is a means of accepting what is. Will we, grow, we will grow old if we're lucky. We are getting old. That is, we are growing old together. We're not growing old at the same time or at the same rate, but we are growing old. Think for a minute. We are different in a multitude of ways. But growing older is our one common denominator. In my 25 plus years of working as a professional geriatric care manager, I have answered an abundance of questions about growing old, as if I have all the answers. Not. Questions about available services, questions about places to live, questions about health, questions about a multitude of services available and how we choose them. There's lots of questions about how to live and with whom. We see a big boon in retirement and memory care units and nursing facilities to accommodate us when we get old. But the most frustrating thing I encounter in my work is when my clients refuse and resist change. I can't tell you how often I hear, I want to stay in my own home. No one can make me move. You'll have to drag me out of here. Or, I just want to be independent. I don't need any help. Well, if there ever was a myth, being independent is one of them because we haven't been independent since we took our first breath. So what I often encounter is that people, if people can't get what they want, they dig in their heels and refuse to change. Some people, you can't make me. Some people, other people, oftentimes family members, scramble to make sure that every whim of the other person is met so they can be happy and so they don't have to change. I say, give it up. Change is a coming, so you have to plan for it. I learned to ask my, my clients who are resistant to change, where in the world did you ever get the idea that you don't have to change? If you don't accept that you have to change, it's going to change anyway, so you might as well be in charge and make the changes that you decide you want to make, rather than have others make them for you. What interests me now, though, especially in my late 60s, is to how I must learn to grow old. 
From whom do I learn the art of aging? And how do I choose to be either a wise elder or an old fool? How do I age with wisdom and with innocence at the same time? I've had many old friends and many old clients who have taught me many lessons about growing and growing old and being old. And there are good and bad examples. But there are two great teachers in particular who have helped me and helped me ask the most important questions. One important lesson I learned about growing old came from my old friend, Jeffy. And I've told this story a multitude of times, but it bears repeating. Jeffy was 98 when she got so ill that she could not return to her home. She needed to move to a nursing home in another town. And I prepared myself for her disappointment of having to move at the age of 98. So I apologized to her and said, you know, Jeffy, I'm really sorry that you, we have to move. I wish we had a better choice. And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, Esther, I'm 98 years old and all I've been doing for 98 years is change and I can change again. And I about fell out of my chair she nailed it. Jeffy, at age 98, demonstrated acceptance of aging by settling into her new home with a sense of wonder. She accepted change head on and approached it with curiosity. She made new friends quickly and was soon well known in her new home. Another important teacher has been Elaine, my spiritual director, whom I now call my friend. Elaine lived in an idyllic place in the woods. Her home was a sanctuary of peace and quiet solitude. Then things changed. She became ill and had to move to a nursing home where the care is quite good, but where the surroundings are pretty austere. A few months ago, while visiting her, I asked her how she was doing, and she responded, I hate this but I'm okay. I hate this, but I'm okay. Now I'm here to tell you that this encounter with Elaine just in the past few months has changed my perspective on growing older. This encounter resulted in a whole new set of questions about aging. In particular, I wonder at her age how she was able to say she was okay. How did she prepare herself to say, I hate this, but I'm okay? I want to be like Jeffy and be resilient enough to change at the very last days of my life. And I want to be like Elaine. I want to mirror her equanimity and her acceptance of aging. But how do I learn to do that? Well, we can't dumb down this process with easy answers, that's for certain. As, the open, as some of our words have will reveal, we are newly wise and newly foolish. So then, how do we say, I hate this, and I'm, but I'm okay, and truly be okay no matter where we land or how hard we land? That is, how do we learn to adjust when we can't have what we want? 
How do we learn to be resilient when we land in a place not of our own choosing? How can we learn to say, I'm okay, if we dislike or even hate the outcome of our circumstance? Let's revisit Elaine's response. She said, I hate this, but I'm okay. I hate this, this circumstance. She did not say she hated life. She said she didn't like living in a nursing home. Yet at the same time, she acknowledged that she was okay. So how do we learn to take all that we have ever been and all that we are so we can move forward? There are an abundant ways of learning to be old. There are courses at senior centers and at colleges. There are health and legal seminars. There are diet and exercise programs. But there is a lot more to learn. We have to include how to become spiritually mature. Planning on and being old is more than the logistics of asking when and where to move and how to be comfortable in a place. The most important questions about growing old is how do we learn to grow old as a spiritual process? We are spiritual beings in the sacks of sin, in these sacks of skin we call our bodies. We are, our spiritual growth doesn't end when we become old. Rather, the necessity for spiritual growth becomes every bit as important when we grow old as it did when we were children as we were growing up. Learning to be old can't be dumbed down with easy answers. The questions are abundant, but the answers aren't always easy to find. The answers aren't black and white, rather, <laughs> they're gray. And they have to come with careful discernment. Spiritual growth, especially for we you use who disparage orthodoxy, is not always easy because the questions usually outnumber the answers. I will attempt, and the operative word here is attempt, to offer a few suggestions about where to begin. I hope to offer a bit of inspiration that may come if and when our resistance to aging ceases, or maybe even wanes a bit. So my musings. We can best try, we can try our best to cover up or deny we are aging with hair dye, plastic surgery, or exercises to firm up our flapping triceps. But guess what? We're still old. So early acceptance into growing old is a good thing. And now that I'm gray, I find it helpful to acknowledge that I'm growing old or that I am old. Early acceptance is a good thing. It helps me prepare for the next steps, whatever those steps may be. So may we allow ourselves to begin learning to be old with a love and appreciation for our own aging bodies and selves. May we come to a time when we grow old not to be embarrassed by our age or try to hide it. I've been a member of this congregation for many years, dating back to the 1980s. I'm in the age now that many of the founders of our congregation were when I first started coming here. And I wonder what happened to 40 years. 
So if you're wondering, I'm 67, and I don't mind telling you there is nothing wrong and there's nothing to be ashamed of at being 67. Second, I must always remember that change is inevitable. Change is hard for folks who love the past more than they love the future or even love the present. But change is here every single day. We cannot be duped into thinking that a habit or something familiar is something that is necessarily safe or good for us. Change is coming and we need to get used to it. And on a side note, whether it be in this congregation or at a high school reunion, I hope no one ever says to me, Esther, you haven't changed a bit. For that would be an insult rather than a compliment. I hope I have changed. I hope I have changed for the better and grown up spiritually as well as physically. Third, I think, we can transcend fear and hatred of becoming old if we take a serious look at what it means to be ageist. We need to quit giving black balloons and snarky birthday cards in some type of faux celebration of yet another birthday. Who wants to grow old if growing old means being diminished in such hurtful and thoughtless ways? Old people are as heterogeneous as any other group of people. Remember, growing old is our one common denominator, so why would we want to make fun of ourselves? We can learn to grow old if we respect old people. Ageism is every bit as awful as racism, sexism, or any other ism. So be kind to yourself as an old person and be kind to other old people. Yet another musing about learning to be old, and that is to keep moving forward. During my stint as a nurse in a rehab hospital, rehabilitation hospital, it was not unusual for me to hear, I just want my life back. I want my life back as if I can turn back and start over. We never get to turn our lives back. Forward is the only way to go. At the same time, we need encouragement and help to move forward. In doing so, we don't need vapid advice like if life gives you lemons, make lemonade, or God won't give you any more than you can handle. Mm -mm. We need not despair. We need not deny these feelings of discouragement or distress or perhaps even despair. What we need is a supportive community with open hearts and open ears to hear our cries of discomfort. We need and we will get by with a little help from our friends. And we always, we will always need somebody to lean on. And even as an old person, we too might be that person for someone else to lean on. Perhaps we can learn the art of a a being old by questioning just what it means to age gracefully. I think it's time that we begin to relearn and give up on the scripts that help us deny growing old. I 
don't think that aging gracefully is illustrated at all with that common image of a happy life shown as a handsome gray-haired couple walking hand in hand down the beach at the sunshine with their sweaters draped over their necks, smiling with perfect teeth. You know, those ads for retirement communities or multivitamins or hair dyes? Mm -mm. No, <laughs> that is not what it means to age gracefully. Growing, there's a, there's a comment in a, a phrase, growing old is not for sissies. And we need to reframe what it means to grow old gracefully. Growing old is anything but graceful, either literally or metaphorically. We As we age, we may stumble and fall, and we continue to make mistakes. We might not make the same mistakes when we were younger, but we still make mistakes. So while the process of aging is clumsy, gracefulness may come with acceptance of what is. Aging gracefully may mean that we surrender our resistance to any and all change and that we can learn to live with what if, what is, rather than illusions or maybe even delusions of what it means to be old. To be clear, I am not saying that we should not attempt to correct the wrong things in our circumstances, such as poor care in nursing homes or any number of problems that occur when we grow old. What I stress is, I believe, true wisdom is the willingness to change the things we can change and the ability to summon our courage to accept the things we cannot change. Rather than use our energy to resist, use our energy to summon as much needed courage to go forward rather than stay entrenched in the past. Maybe I wonder if aging gracefully is something like the ability to get in and rest easily in a hammock. You know, be in a hammock and sway easily but feel perfectly supported. Trying to get into hammock with a drink in one hand and a book in the other is a challenge. Try repositioning yourself without falling out. When I was younger, I used to think that aging was learning to live in the balance of things. My spiritual director taught me otherwise. She said, oh no, Esther, it's not living in the balance. It's learning to live in the imbalance and being able to say, I'm okay. Getting in and out of the hammock is not always easy, but once positioned, sometimes we can rest without the struggle. Finally, and this is the finally thing on my list, at least for today. As we grow old, we must learn to ask for help. Asking for help when we are old should be no more embarrassing or troubling than asking for help as we were growing up. How we learn to be old if we don't ask for help and guidance in our spiritual development. How are we going to learn to be old if we don't ask for help? I am troubled 
deeply troubled that right now the UUA does not have a designated person to manage lifespan religious education and development for old people. It does for young people, but not for old people. So we have to help each other learn. And we can do that right here at home in this congregation. We can own up to our covenant that affirms and promotes and encourages spiritual growth of an aging congregation. So let the questions be asked and the answers be discussed with respect and careful discernment. The making of our whole selves, our whole spiritual self, takes a lifetime. We need lifespan religious education for a reason. We can't go back and reclaim our young selves, but we can continue a journey in order to claim our new self. Why would we possibly want to lose out on that interesting journey? Can we not sing out praises for our journey? As the hymn says, find the spirit always restless, find it in each mind and heart. Touch and hold that ancient yearning, kindling for each new found truth. So I wonder is if, if it's helpful as we grow old, if we can summons a way to have a sense of joyful anticipation about being old. I have to ask myself why growing old should not be every bit as enjoyable, interesting, and fun as growing up. I am fully convinced that the last days of our lives are, can be every bit as meaningful as the days we have already lived. As we grow old, we may not, may we not define ourselves but by our lives that we've lived up until now. Instead, as we grow old, may we begin to define ourselves by the life we live from now on. Indeed, there are hardships in old age. The irony here is that we have our entire lives to prepare for the hardships of growing old, but somehow we fail to do so until we see that unfamiliar gray-haired person in the bathroom mirror. Begin now. The poet in our reading says, the time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arising at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at each other's welcome and say, sit here. May it be so. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org, where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.